Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm going to dance all over the house. I'm going to praise my Jesus till the walls come down. I know, I know there's victory beyond my praise. I'm going to dance my, my troubles away. away. I know that everyone here has trials. Sometimes you think you'll never get through. And the mountain is hot. There seems no way. You wonder if you'll make it through. If you begin to shout your praise. You'll find deliverance in this place. I'm gonna dance all over this house. Praise my Jesus till the walls come down. I know, I know this victory beyond my praise. I'm gonna dance my troubles away. I'm gonna dance all over this house. Praise my Jesus till the walls come down. I know, I know this victory beyond my praise. I'm gonna dance my troubles away. I know that everyone here has trials. Sometimes you think you'll never get through. The mountain is hot, there seems no way. You wonder if you'll make it through. If you begin to shout your praise, you'll find deliverance in this place. I'm gonna dance all over this house. Praise my Jesus till the walls come down. I know there's victory beyond my praise. I'm gonna dance my troubles away. I'm gonna dance all over this house. same electricity I feel in this place right now yeah I'm not talking about patty cake for Jesus I'm not talking about Sunday morning religion hey nobody can praise God like the redeemed of the Lord because nobody knows him like the redeemed of the Lord I don't just know him as Christ or the Son of God, I know him as Jesus. I felt his blood. I was filled with his spirit. I am intimate with Jesus Christ. So I can praise him tonight like nobody else can praise him. I can dance like nobody else can dance. I can shout like nobody else can shout. Somebody give him glory tonight. Somebody give him praise tonight. I want you to understand something. The devil didn't want this to happen. He got in the sound system. He went through the wires. He started popping fuses. But baby, you can't stop the move of the Holy Ghost. You can't stop the anointing of the living God. You can't stop the praise of the blood-washed multitude. The devil understands that if you ever 
get a hold of the power of the Holy Ghost. Watch out. He tried to give you a bad day, tried to give you a long trip, tried to give you a bad sound system, and thought that'd do the job. But I ain't finished yet, honey. It was before the Lord. I've come to bless him. I've come to praise my way to his throne. Glory, glory. Woo! You feel that? I know you can feel that. Hey! Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Lord. There's something about that Holy Ghost. Man, I didn't come for polite church, and I didn't come for canned, stifled praise. I came for a red-hot anointing. I came to chase devils. I came to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, let's give him a hand clap of praise tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. The last two nights the Holy Ghost has, has met us. Last night we almost got caught up to the third heaven. And if that's any indicator, tonight is the night. There has been a building up, a climaxing, and we are at the pinnacle of the mountain. Amen. And I'm ready for the transfiguration. Hallelujah. Amen. So without any further delay, I want everybody to make sure they're on their feet. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as Brother Keller comes to preach the word of the Lord. I wish somebody would absolutely lose your mind right now in the Holy Ghost. Now listen, when we pulled up tonight, the marquee said apostolic conference. We're almost there. I said, we're almost there. I'm ready for some bobby pins to fly tonight. Oh, it's getting tight in here now. I'm ready for shirt tails to be shouted out. I feel the power of an almighty God in this room. And I don't care what you came in this place with. You're going to be delivered by the time you walk out. Somebody clap your hands and magnify God. Amen. Amen. Turning in your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. 
The book of Nehemiah, chapter number 6. Let me say on this last night of this midwinter conference, I cannot tell you how honored and privileged I have been to be here with you. I give, I give the highest of honor and esteem to your senior pastor, Feld, for a tremendous work that he is facilitating here in this area. Him and his wife. I wish somebody would give them a rousing round of applause right now. And then, of course, to Pastor Nathan Urshan, who I feel like I am forming a lifelong friendship with. I want to give him and his wife, Sister Urshan, a great amount of honor and esteem tonight. <laughs> and then also Pastor Hopper and his wife have taken so uh, very well care of me. And I want to thank them for their hospitality. It has been second to none. Amen. And then I also want to say, I also want to say, to Pastor Kennedy and his family. I have come, I've watched you the past three nights, and I want to tell you that I, I respect you and the work that you're doing in Arcadia, Florida. It's a great work. Last night, the Holy Ghost talked to me about you, and tonight I'm going to preach this message, and if it isn't for anybody else, I want it to be for you and your family and your church if they're here tonight. Would you give the Kennedys a great big hand? And then Pastor Feld, who is, who is back there amongst the stuff tonight. He's running around getting speakers working and, and making sure all of this happens. And, um, and we toured that that. Uh, superlatives fail me right now. That magnificent, awesome building over close to West Palm Beach that has been built for the glory of God. And I want to commend him and his wife and your church for having revival. And then what can be said about brother and sister Williams? I wish somebody, you know what? Words fail me. This is all I can think of. You go, girl. Son. And Brother Williams, you are, you're, you're a great guy. Great guy. Worship, uh, leading worship and service and wherever you can be of assistance, I want you to give this couple a tremendous thanks tonight. And then to your brother tonight, who had a powerful word tonight, can we give uh, the other brother, brothers Williams, let's just, let's just thank him for being here. Musicians, choirs, singers, can you all tell I've had a great time? But most of all, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is in the house. I wish somebody would lean back and give God a shout of praise right now.
The book of Nehemiah, chapter number 6, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The word of the Lord states, Now it came to pass, when Sanballat and Tobiah, and Geshem the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies, heard that I had builded the wall, and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. That Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great, everybody say great, work. Everybody shout work. So that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? I want to preach tonight under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, a direct word from the Lord for this meeting. I want to preach something that this, that these men and you people have been doing for many years. But now you are entering into a greater dimension than you ever have before. I want to preach to you tonight on this subject, building an apostolic revival. Building an apostolic revival. One more time, would you put your hands together to the Lord and ask Him to touch your heart in the precious name of our God. We pray right now that the Spirit of the Lord will move in this place to grip our hearts. Let us receive your word tonight in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The building and the construction of a structure such as the Eiffel Tower very obviously involves much planning, much detail, many resources, many people, and much work. Thus it was on July the 1st, 1887, that the work began to unfold and the assembly of this monument began to transpire. The elements of this structure were prepared in a factory on the outskirts of Paris and included some 18,000 pieces that were designed, calculated, traced out to an accuracy of a tenth of a millimeter and then put together in pieces of around five meters each. Between 150 to 300 workers on the building site led by a team of veterans of the great metal viaduct projects, were responsible for assembling this gigantic mechano set. As a preliminary stage, the pieces were assembled in the factory using bolts later to be replaced one by one by rivets. These rivets were inserted hot. They contracted during cooling, thus ensuring that the pieces were held together ever so tightly. A team of four men was needed to fix one rivet. One man to heat the rivet up. 
another to hold it in place. A third man was needed to shape the head of that rivet. And a fourth was required to beat it into place with a sledgehammer. Only one third of the 2.5 million rivets used in the tower were inserted directly on the building site. Each corner edge rests on its own supporting block, applying to it a pressure of 3 to 4 kilograms per square centimeter. And each block is joined to the other by walls. On the Sayan River side of the construction, the builders used watertight metal caissons and injected compressed air so that they had the ability to work beneath and below the level of the water. The assembly of the first level was achieved by the use of 12 temporary wooden scaffolds 30 meters high and then four larger scaffolds of around 40 meters each. Sandboxes and hydraulic jacks which were replaced after use of permanent wedges allowed the metal girders to be positioned to an accuracy of one millimeter. It took five months to build the foundation alone. And yet 21 months to assemble all of the pieces of the tower. It took a long time. There were many details that deserved much attention. No doubt it was very frustrating at times. There were many people doing what they probably thought was meaningless work at the time. Four men to fix one rivet. But remember, it was very vital to the longevity of the structure. There were many people working in their areas of expertise. Listen carefully. The steel workers were not instructing the concrete workers, how to perform their job and vice versa. However, everyone was working together. It was in the past 10 years that the church that I hail from in Fort Wayne, Indiana, we have been through two building projects. They are long, they are arduous, they are very frustrating at times. But not once, Bishop failed, did I see the carpet layers instructing the drywall workers how to hang the drywall. I did not see the drywall workers instructing the electricians how to run the electricity. No. I did not witness the steel workers instructing the concrete workers how to facilitate their responsibilities. I saw everyone facilitating what they had been called on the job to do. Amen. Isn't it the same in the building of an apostolic revival? There are some people that teach a Sunday school class. There are some that sweep the carpet of the church house. There are some that 
are door greeters. There are some that mow the church lawn. There are some that run the sound. There are some that run the multimedia. And then there are some that sing on the praise team. There are some that play the instruments. There are some that stand behind a pulpit and preach. There are some that pick up bus kids. And there are some that preach on Sunday night. But I want you to understand one thing very well. That every job, every responsibility is a needed fixture in the building of an apostolic revival. I feel like telling somebody right now, if you teach a Sunday school class and you teach CJ and Joseph and Benjamin, you teach that Sunday school class with as much anointing as I'm preaching to you tonight. If you're a door greeter, you greet the saints of God with as much anointing as Sister Williams plays the keyboard with. We're not here to squabble. We're not here to pick. We're not here here to question we are here to build an apostolic revival my God I feel the Holy Ghost here right now you may be seated and so it was on March the 31st 1889 the Eiffel Tower was completed And a tremendous monument had been built. Why have I drawn our attention to the Eiffel Tower? Because since its completion, the tower has seen over 200 million visitors. And it is the most well-known structure in Europe and arguably the world. Can I preach right now? Can I submit... To this church, that God is calling this church, that God is calling tonight this people to facilitate a work and to deliver a revival that is not a small thing. Can I submit to you tonight that God is calling you to a revival? That is not an insignificant matter. But I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost tonight to tell me to tell you that there's a revival coming to this people in this room tonight. And it will be looked upon as a tremendous testimony and a monumental work done by the hand of God through his people. I've said it every night, and I'm not going to stop tonight. I believe it's the will of God for us to be the largest church in our city. That's the third time I've said it. Somebody should be running the aisles right there. I believe it's the will of God for a one God. 
apostolic, Jesus' name baptized, Holy Ghost filled, holiness believing people to be the influence. To be. I'm not preaching to you hype. I'm preaching to you. There's an end time revival coming, and I want to know if you're ready. I want to know if you're ready to work. I want to know if you're ready for a harvest. I want to know if you're ready for what revival will bring to you. I was reading an old motivational speaker recently, back several, several years ago, many years ago. And this isn't in my notes, but I feel the Holy Ghost wants to say this tonight. And he wrote a book, a chapter in a book. And he said, why not me? Why not now? And he began to tell about, remember this has been many years ago, he began to tell about, why not be sitting in a little cafe on the sidewalks of Paris? Why not now? Why not me on an extravagant moose hunting expedition in the Rockies of Colorado? And why not now? That's fine for motivation. But I'm going to throw at you some Bible tonight. Why not me having a 1,000 soul revival in one year? And why not now? We're going to get somewhere here in a moment, but why not me building a brand new building and filling it up in six months? And why not now? Why not me winning the crack addict and the prostitute and the mayor of our city and the businessmen and why not now why not this weekend why not in January why not in February why not now Maybe seated. There are many variables that go into the building of an apostolic revival. There is the variable of time. It takes a long time to build an apostolic revival. Entertainment, entertainment mad crowds show up overnight. But it takes a long time to build a church. If something is going to last, it must be built. And something that is built is not built overnight. That's why I encourage you tonight to not be discouraged by those that build crowds and those that have the money and those that have the talent. Baby, 
We're not even playing on the same ball field. We're not even in the same game. They're here to make money, and we're here to see lives changed. We're here to see hearts touched. We're here to see somebody delivered from the world. There is the variable of time. There is the variable of people. My God, I feel like preaching right now. It takes a lot of people to build an apostolic revival. And I'm sorry to let the word out. I'm sorry to break the news to you tonight. But there are going to be, be people that come. We don't like this next part. And there are going to be people that go. But when they come, and when they go, you don't lift up your eyes. <laughs> you don't look to the left, and you don't look to the right. You put your hand to the trial, and you keep on working, and you keep on building. Because they're going to come and they're going to sing your praises. And they're going to tell you you're the best thing since sliced cheese. And then they're going to walk out the door. But revival is not built on one man or one woman. It's God's church. It's God's church. We are God's people. I feel, like, I feel like saying that again. Matter of fact, I feel like pitching the tent, driving the stakes, and camping out right here. Bam. Oh, Lord. I'm feeling too at home right now. Hey, I don't care how influential we think they are. I don't care how much money. They have in the bank. In an instant. God can save a crack prostitute. Off the street corner. And raise her up. To be a financier. For the kingdom of God. Bishop failed. You keep reaching for those people. You keep building those lives. You keep giving to them. They're going to come and they're going to go. But with the burning hot sun beating down on my back, I'm going to keep on building. I'm going to keep on working. I'm going to build an apostolic revival. We... We could go on tonight. We could continue. However, I believe 
the greatest variable that must go in to a building process is that of the dreadful four-letter word. It is, say it with me, Brother Kennedy, W-O-R-K. W-O-R-K. There is much work involved in apostolic revival. You can't get around it. There's no get-rich-quick scheme. We got to work to build an apostolic revival. We got to work in the morning, and we got to work when the sun goes down. We got to work when we're discouraged, and we got to work when we're on the mountaintop. But let it be declared tonight that we got to work. We got to work. We got to build. We got to work. We got to build. Ronald Reagan had this to say about work. He said, no power of government is as formidable a force for good as the creativity and the entrepreneurial drive. Everybody say drive. Everybody say drive of the American people. Let me put an apostolic feel to that statement. The power of the church is only as good and only as formidable a force for good as the creativity and the drive, everybody say the drive, for ministry of the apostolic people. Can I preach right now? Are you all ready to have church? Touch somebody and ask them, do you have drive tonight? Come on. You know what I feel driving here? You know what I like about you? You got drive. Son, you got overdrive. Bishop, you got overdrive. I just referred to you as son, and I apologize in front of all these people. You... That's what I like about this man. There's no mountain too high. And there's no valley too wide. And there's no real estate piece of land that is too expensive to stop us from having revival. I'm going to preach right now. Touch somebody and ask them, do you have some drive in you tonight? You know what I felt when I walked into this place? I felt like we were in fourth gear and I saw the RPMs going up and I feel a shift. I said I feel a shift coming into this house. 
Somebody put your foot on the clutch and shift this thing. We got to drive to apostolic revival. Somebody say determination. Somebody say D. Determination. You better believe hell's going to come. And you better believe there are going to be plenty of excuses to close up shop and to go home. But we need some drive that begins with determination. It doesn't matter what challenges I face. In this upcoming project, I've got drive in me. Can I tell you that when you make up your mind to do a great work for the Lord, hell's going to sit up and pay attention. The book of Revelation said, when you walk through that door, he said there is an open door and there is a great effectual. But listen to what he said. There are many there are many adversaries. There's going to be trial. And there's going to be tribulation. But if an apostolic church has got a mind to work, if an apostolic church has got drive in them, there ain't a devil in hell big enough to stop them. There's not a Goliath intimidating enough to impede. Somebody clap your hands. And give God a great shout. Somebody say our responsibility. I got to hurry now. But let me suffice it to say this. That this is not senior pastor fails church. Alone. And this is not Pastor Urshan's church and Pastor Fell and Pastor Kennedy and Pastor Hopper. No, 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 no. This is my church. This is my church. And I don't leave the work of the ministry to just these men. And I don't say, well, they're getting the paycheck. They can mow the lawn. And I don't say, they're full-time on staff. They can find somebody else to clean the church. No, 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 no. This is my church. And if there's a toilet that needs to be cleaned, give me a rubber glove, baby. I got to go to work. This is my church. My church is going to have the cleanest church. My church is going to have the cleanest restrooms. My church is going to have the best buses. My church is going to have the most manicured lawn. This is my church. This is my revival. And I got too much drive in me to stop now. Somebody shout, woo!
church. When I walk into this church, my buttons are popping off. When I see them new converts, those are my babies. They belong to me. That means I'm going to pray for them. That means I'm going to help them. That means I'm going to fight hell for them. They're mine. They're mine. They're mine. Somebody shout determination. Somebody shout responsibility. Somebody shout I. Intensity. Touch somebody and ask them, are you getting your drive back? We pulled in the parking lot going 45 miles an hour. But when we leave tonight, it's going to be 90 miles an hour toward apostolic revival. Intensity. It takes an intense focus. My dear friend, Brother Urshan here, I asked him, I, uh, I asked him this with ulterior motives because he's going to be preaching for us before too long in the name of the Lord. I'm going to take his arm and twist it behind his back. I'm going to lie to him. I'm going to manipulate to him. I'm teasing him. Just to get him in Fort Wayne. But he said, you know, we were talking last night. He said, I just don't have a chance to preach out much. And I made the commitment because when you dig out a church from nothing, when you build an apostolic revival, it takes laser-like intensity. You got one thing on your mind. You don't have golf on your mind. You don't have country club on your mind, Pastor Feld. You got revival on your mind. Son. You know what they told me the other week? I was traveling somewhere. They told, we just hired on a new, new young man at the church on the staff. And, he, and somebody, one of the staff members said, oh, you know, when... Brother Dave goes on vacation. It's like all of us get a vacation. You know why? Because every morning I walk into that office and I'm looking for an excuse to have revival. I'm looking for an excuse to remove every distraction. And say, come on, folks, we got phone calls to make, and we got hospitals to visit, and we got, oh, I'm talking about revival now, and we got prisons to go to, and we've got doors to knock, because we got to build, we got to work, we got to work, we got to. Everybody say, I intention it. Somebody say, V, vision. 
And we won't stay here long because I preached the whole message on vision. But of course, you know, it takes vision to have revival. And furthermore, when this man gets in the pulpit, these men get in the pulpit and preach vision, we rally behind them and say, we believe it. We bought into it. Touch somebody and ask him, do you have some drive in you tonight? D, determination. R, responsibility. I, intensity. V, vision. And E, everybody say E, enthusiasm. I said enthusiasm. Enthusiastic expectancy. I declare not one more dead church service. But if you got drive in you, you come into church with a mind made up. I'm going to shout. I'm going to worship. I'm going to be enthusiastic. Now, I know, I know, this is not the case here. This only happens in Fort Wayne, okay? Only Fort Wayne. Well, we just let it all hang out tonight anyway. If there's one thing that drives this preacher absolutely out of his mind, Crazy. It's when I'm in a Pentecostal service and they're singing, I'm a Pentecostal. I am not ashamed. This only happens when we sing this song in Fort Wayne. Not here. Not here. We worship only one God. Or Sister Williams is up here throwing down. On the Triton. <laughs> Do what now? Yeah, but the bike wasn't thrown down. It's when I see husbands letting their wives do all the work. It is like there is an epidemic in Pentecost. And it is this, the vast majority of men don't have enough drive in them to get out in the aisle before their wives and to work. Because let me tell you something, worship is work. It is work. There are times, Brother Hopper, when I don't feel like raising my hands. There are times when I don't feel like leaping for joy. But I got to dig down deep in me. And I got to say if my wife's going to work, I'm going to work. If my wife's going to worship, I'm going to worship. Men, we ought to be the first ones creating an atmosphere for somebody to get the Holy Ghost for somebody to get delivered 
for somebody. I hope I'm not making anybody mad tonight. You just pull my shirt if I do. I didn't hear that, but I receive it in the name of the Lord. I walked down the other day in service. I walked up to one of our greatest soul winners. And I mean the place was rocking. Absolutely rocking. And there were sinners on his pew. I looked down there, Brother Urshan, and I saw his little old wife down there. Tears streaming down her face. And he almost had drive. He had determination, responsibility, intensity, vision. But I saw him sitting there in the classic Pentecostal posture. What do you think I did? Oh, bless his poor soul. He had to get up early this morning. Yeah, and I'm respectful of all of that. I walked down to him and I said, Bo, you look, you look here with me right now. You see all these sinners on this pew? And your little old wife out there worshiping? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. If they don't get the Holy Ghost today, it's your fault because you refuse to clock in and you refuse to go to work and you decided to sleep in today. But I said whether you're tired or whether you're energetic, it doesn't matter how I feel. I got to drive. I got to work. I've got to build an apostolic revival. John chapter number 9, verse number 4. The word of the Lord says, Work while it is day, because the night cometh when no man shall work. Can I tell you that I believe this is not only speaking of an end time church, but I believe it's speaking of every living room, every kitchen, every basement that is in this county. The night is falling. And suicides are being contemplated, Brother Kennedy. And the word of the Lord Jesus says is this. You got to work while there's a sliver of daylight left. I'll never forget my father knocking, me and my father knocking doors one day. Knocked on the door of a house. We opened the door. And we were literally almost knocked over with the smell of gas. I'm Pastor, Pastor Keller of the church down the street. I want to tell you. I want to make sure everything's all right today. Tears start streaming down the lady's face. Pastor, 
I just locked the door, turned the gas on in my house because I was determined I was never coming out again. Work. Work. Building. Building. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, verse number 10, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Not speaking of this austere group of brethren on the platform, but it's speaking of every hand in this auditorium tonight. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it. I've got to hurry now. Nehemiah, in Nehemiah, I won't be much longer, I promise. The, in, the enemy, Sanballat and Tobiah, desired to see the work cease. But it was Nehemiah that used the best language against these malicious attacks on his work and his motives. He said, I am doing a great work, so I cannot stoop to your nonsense. I cannot notice your malevolence. Why should the work cease while I leave it? And come down to a plane called Ono where you want a reason. And you want to talk me into less of a revival. Oh my God. And you want to you want to try to talk me in to stopping the work on the wall. And I've come to preach to a church tonight that is building an apostolic revival in Fort Myers. And Bell Glade and Lake Placid and West Palm Beach and Arcadia have come to preach to us tonight. There is not an enemy worth compromising. What God has called you to do. This is a great work. This in Florida is a great work. We're not stopping. We're not coming down. We will not be distracted. We will not be confused. We will not be deterred. We will not fall into the trap of discussing a less important task. But we're winning bus kids, and it's a great work. We're teaching Bible studies, and it's a great work. We're winning immigrants, and it's a great work. We're praying without ceasing, and it's a great work. We're fasting, and it's a great work. We're sacrificing, and it's a great work. We refuse to be distracted with politics, with money, with popularity, with program, with tradition. I've got a word for this church tonight. With self-ambition, with self-aggrandizement, for we are doing a great work. And we cannot 
We cannot. We cannot. Brother Kennedy, you cannot. You cannot. Come down. And there was somebody was picking up snotty nose bus kids. Don't you minimize their work. Don't you criticize their work. I've had them say about us in Fort Wayne, oh yeah, well they're just winning all those Burmese people, aren't they? They're inflating their numbers with a down and out with bus kids. I've had them say it. How do you afford that? And I've looked at them and said, we can't afford not to. Let's win every Haitian we can. Let's win. And I don't care if they walk into my church with two jet airplanes or if they walk in with two nickels to rub together. A soul is a soul. And I got to work. I got to work. I've got to build that life. I've got to work. I cannot. I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. Get me the instruments, please. Luke 14 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish the building program. Revival is going to cost us everything we have. And I didn't come to get on money tonight. We just moved into a great facility. And we were challenged with giving to make the work go on. And my wife goes and gets a real estate license. And she dabbles in real estate. And she buys and sells some houses and rents some out. Not that I can drive a nicer car. I have one car with 100,000 miles on it, and I got another one with 150,000. Uh-huh. She's got that job to pay for our building pledge. Because revival cost us everything that we have. Lest happily after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all that behold him begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, but he was not able to finish. 
I don't want him to drive on Oceanside Drive. I don't want him to drive by your beautiful building. I don't want him to drive in Arcadia. He said, yeah, that's what we thought. They thought they could do it. They thought they could. No. But I've got to work. I've got to work. I've got to build. There was a woman that was brought to Jesus. She was caught in the very act of adultery. The Kennedy, the religious world came to Jesus and said, everybody knows the story. What are you going to do with this woman? The Bible says she should be stoned. Jesus didn't say a word. His actions, he knew, could speak louder than any word he spoke. I don't know what he wrote in the sky. All I know is he knelt down and put his hand in the dirt. And he began to go to work. I don't know what he wrote. I don't care to know what he wrote. All I know is here was a filthy dirty, rotten woman. And Jesus said, I've got to get the dirt under my fingernails. And I've got to work today. I've got to work today for a life. You've heard me tell successes of home since I've been here. I thank you for indulging me. Now let me tell you about probably the worst worst day in the ministry that I've ever had. I walked in Pastor Feld one day and I saw Jesse walk through the back doors of that congregation. Why don't we stand on across this place if you want to play something soft. He was emaciated with methamphetamines. He was broken. He was lost. He was lonely. Brother Urshan, this has been some time ago, three or four years ago, and in a revival church, I saw Jesse come down the aisle for prayer. I saw him stand right here. He lifted his head and he began to pray. I stood there. I was preaching that day with my tie perfectly tied, my suit perfectly buttoned. My hair perfectly combed. And I looked at him and I thought, I'm so glad that man's here. I looked down, Pastor Feld, 
And I saw a gentleman from our church, because nobody else was praying for me, I saw a gentleman from our church go down out of obligation and duty, lay his hand on his shoulder, pray for a minute, turn around, go back to his family, back to his, his pew all the while, Jesse's standing there. By himself. Alone. I saw Jesse turn around. Go back to his. Somebody came to me three weeks later. They said, Brother Dave, something on your desk you need to see. I went in and I found a letter. And here is what it said. Dear Pastor Keller, my name is Jesse Lay. I have been addicted to methamphetamines for a certain period of time. I don't know where else to turn. He said, so I heard about your church. And I said to myself, if there's any place that can help me, it's that church on Spring Street. He said, so I came. He gave the date on a Sunday afternoon. He said, and I was so desperate for somebody to reach out to me. He said, but nobody reached out to me. He said, no, I have no choice but to blow my brains out and attached with a paper clip was Jesse's obituary. Because I walked in on a Sunday afternoon with no drive and no mind to work and refusing to clock in. And I refused to follow the example of my Savior. And send ballot. And Tobiah won that day. And every time I would pray in that sanctuary, Pastor Feld, I would go to that spot of burgundy carpet, that little strip of burgundy. I would look at that spot where Jesse stood. And I would scream, Jesse, I know you're in hell tonight. And I know there's nothing I can do for you now. And if you could hear me tonight from Florida, Jesse, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. 
But I promise you there will never be another day. There will never be another moment as long as I live that I refused. To let the dirt get under my fingernails. To let the sun blister my back. And to reach for another Jesse. These altars are open right now. I cannot. Work! Work! While it is day. Because night is coming. When no man shall work. Brother Kennedy, build that revival. Come on, Fort Myers. 
Let your work tonight. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. church. I, 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 I refuse to be distracted. I refuse to be discouraged. And I got to work. I must work. I cannot come down. Oh, no, I can't come down.
I wouldn't 